Mom! Oh, thank God you're here, Lucy. Mom, what's wrong? I could hardly understand your message. I have just made the biggest mistake of my entire career. Oh, well, can you really call it a career? I mean, it's only been two months. That is not the point. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, sit down and tell me what happened. Okay, well... <coughs> you know how I've been working really hard with my two biggest clients? Oh, you mean your only two clients? Can we just focus on my problem, please? Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right, well, I've been working really hard, and things have been going so smoothly until this morning, and that's when I realized I had double-booked them. Double-booked their planning session? That's not a big deal. Just reschedule one of them. No, Lucy, I double-booked the weddings. Oh. Yeah, oh. who does that? Who double books a wedding? I must have been kidding myself, thinking I could start a new career at my age. Stop it! You can do anything. Yeah, except be a good wedding planner. Okay, I don't get it. You take that stupid planner everywhere you go. How did this happen? I don't know. I must have just got the weeks mixed up or something. Everything is just so crazy now. But I thought you did that whole three big questions for the frantic life thing just two weeks ago. I did. And? And I figured out what makes my family, me, unique. That was the first question. And then I picked my rallying cry to get my business up and running. But I don't know. Things just aren't working out anymore. I thought there were three questions. Oh, there are. Um, the third question is, um, um, I wrote it down here somewhere. How do you talk about and use the answers to those questions? It's like, how are you going to use your plan and track your progress? Okay, I'm going out on a limb to say you haven't been doing that. I haven't had the time. <laughs> so you don't have time to track your progress on freeing up more time? Things have been going okay up until now. I mean, here, look at my planner. Everything is color-coded and cross-referenced by subject, season, and page number. Holy cannoli, Mom. There's not a single line free on here. I thought you said your rallying cry was to get your wedding planning business up and running. Well, it is. But, Lucy, I got asked to be head of the elite book club of Bozeman. Oh, Oh, and then the university called, and they were in such a panic because, well, they couldn't find anybody to teach their intro to poetry class. You told me you were done teaching. I know, but they were so desperate, and they needed someone so badly, and I just love grading papers. Oh. Mom, that third question is there for a reason. You can have the best intentions in the world, but if you don't have a plan to carry it out, well, you end up double booking a wedding. I know, I know, I need to make time. Hey, you know what else would help? What? Having someone to be accountable to. We both know you're not the greatest at self-discipline, or focus for that matter. You'd be willing to help me with that? What are daughters for? We'll set a monthly lunch date. Honestly, I think it needs to be more frequent than that. Um, could we do it once a week? Sure, how about lunch every Thursday? Let me check my planner. Uh, yeah, Thursdays would work. That would good. be great. 
But what am I going to do about this whole wedding catastrophe? You are going to call around and see if you can find another planner to take one of your clients for you. Like, ooh, Whitney. Oh, actually, I don't think that'll be necessary. You see the venues? They're only five blocks apart, and if I plan it just Mom. right... Mom! Oh, fine, but it could have worked. I'm sure. Do you have time to grab a cup of coffee, or does yellow mean you're booked? Let's see. Blue is for book club. Pink is for poetry. Yellow is for exercise. I need a new system, don't I? Probably. Darn. Thanks, ladies. Good job. Hi, Journey. Great to be in the presence of our great and magnificent God today with every single one of you, especially if you're a guest, maybe here for the first time. Really honored to be with you. I need to take a moment right out of the chutes and talk about some very exciting developments in the life of our church, if you'll permit me. If you recall back to February 18 and 19, that was Vision Weekend, I talked to you about how our church would be morphing into a conglomeration of missional communities. We're going to morph our church into a missional community church for the purpose of our discipleship, our growth in Christ-likeness, as well as our transformational gospel impact on our valley and on our world. And if you remember that weekend, I asked you to pray that God would raise up our leaders who would take the point on the missional community effort for us. We knew that we don't presently have the expertise on our pastoral team to become the missional church that we sense God is asking us to become. And so I asked you to pray that God would stir those leaders up for us. Then a few weeks later, just a few weeks uh, away from right now, a few weeks back from right now, I told you that our council had hired those leaders, but that I wasn't able to tell you who they were because of their present ministry commitments and so on. Well, I'm really thrilled to get to tell you today that our very own Bob Schwann and Shana Powell have been hired and will begin to roll out Journey's missional community initiative for us in August. Now, many of you know that Bob and Shana have been at the helm of the profoundly fruitful Campus Crusade movement on the MSU campus for a long, long time now. And this, their joining the Journey staff team is a very momentous occasion for which we are incredibly grateful to God for aligning. We felt really strongly at the outset of this process that our missional community leaders and pastors had to be people who know us, love us, are one of us, carry a present spiritual authority around here, as well as be people who have been really hard at work mobilizing people on the mission of Jesus Christ with great effectiveness and fruitfulness. Now, every single one of those things, if you know Bob and Shana, are absolutely true, and frankly, so many more are absolutely true of those two. Now, that means a couple of things. Both Bob and Shana are going to remain on what they call associate staff relationship with Campus Crusade, crew as it's now called, which we like. We think that serves crew well, serves them well. They will, however, be leaving their day-to-day responsibility of leadership at crew for MSU, which is a very, very significant move, as many of you know. I want you to know how deeply I care for the crew ministry at MSU, and we do not take this transition lightly. I want you to know that Bob and Shana will be available, literally written into their Journey Church job description, to be able to regularly and often consult back to crew, however the new leadership there deems vital to crew's mission accomplishment. 
in that same transitional vein, could I ask you please to lift that transition up from Bob and Shana to the new leaders? Would you lift it up in hard, intentional, purposeful, concerted prayer effort? Would you pray that crew on the campus of MSU doesn't skip a beat, that the new leaders lead that movement into an even greater, more fruitful day as they continue, as they have for so long, winning students to Christ, building disciples, and sending leaders all over the world. Would you pray really, really hard on that with me, please? Then there's this really practical piece of this for Bob, Shana, and their families in particular. Bob and Shana, for their entire run, their entire career with crew, have been supported through the generous monthly missionary support from people just like you. Lots of you support Bob and Shana, I know. That is, people just like you who give generously to Bob and Shana's staff support accounts to pay their bills and permit them to do what they've been marvelously effective at doing with the best hours in their day. Well, see, when people who support Bob and Shana hear that they're leaving staff going to work for a church, that support has a way of, like, withering up in a hurry. So here's what I need us to be crystal clear about for Bob, Shana, and especially their families' sake. Bob and Shana aren't going to draw a paycheck from Journey until August. That, if you do the math, is over three months away. In between now and then, Bob and Shana are very gainfully employed, leading crew all summer long, as a matter of fact. They'll lead a crew summer project at Lake Tahoe as sort of their last exiting act. And so you see what I'm driving at is if you support Bob and Shana presently, I'm asking you to continue that all the way through the month of July, please. And then there's this. You might feel compelled by God to give a financial gift to help Bob and Shana with their summer project cost. They have to raise that money. It's about $5,000 for each of them and their families, $10,000 or so. And if the Lord prompts your heart in that way, would you just act on that nudge? The Lord might impress on your heart this idea of partnering with them just for the summer. And if you want to do that, you can memo a check, hand it to an usher, drop it in a silo, and we will get that to them to help them. It's sort of a lot of stuff there, but I really, really want you to hear my heart on this. I love Bob and Shana deeply. I love their families deeply. Having them on Journey's staff team is such a win for the kingdom of God, which I'm absolutely elated about. So would you please be very, very intentional on the prayer part of that transition? Would you please keep supporting them through July? If God nudges you to give a special financial gift to their summer project funds, would you do that? And I promise you, later this summer, once they're back from Lake Tahoe, we'll get all of them up on this stage and we'll pray a prayer of commissioning over them as they lock arms with us to help us really steer our church into what we think is our full redemptive potential. Praise be to God for all of that. Let's transition and let's finish out this three big questions for your Frantic Life series. To do that, we're going to hang out in this text today, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. You can turn there in your Bible or you can follow along on the screens. And we're going to read this together. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, if you will. And we're going to actually recite this passage of the sacred text out loud Together, here we go. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. 
talk about them when you were at home and when you were on the road, when you were going to bed and when you were getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Believe it or not, the summary of this entire three big questions for your frantic life series is found right there, Deuteronomy chapter 6 of the Bible, in a text that dates all the way back to Moses, thousands of years. That text is a piece of the scripture from what the Jews call the Shema Yisrael, which is one of the most important parts of the Jewish morning and evening prayer services. And what you see in Deuteronomy 6, 4-9 is just a little part of this farewell speech that the leader of Israel, Moses, was giving to the people of Israel just as he was finishing his tenure as their leader. At this point in the text, we know that he's just finished sharing with them something. What has he finished sharing with them? From Deuteronomy chapter 5, what appears in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the ten what's? Ten commandments. Yes, he's just finished up giving Israel the Ten Commandments. He's going to go on through the rest of the book of Deuteronomy and give them a bunch more commandments. And in the middle of all of that, in the midst of all this command giving, Moses boils everything he said, everything he's going to say, into just a couple of essentials. That's what we see there. Just a couple of essentials. And I'm going to show you how this connects up so well with the three big questions for your frantic life. If you recall from week number one, the first big question for your frantic life was, who and whose are you, right? Moses, believe it or not, asks and answers that very same question as part of the Shema Yisrael when he asks, really, who is God and who and whose are you? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Check it out. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Who and whose are you? The Lord is our God. We're his. We're his. And what happens is all of us, every last one of us, from the youngest amongst us to the eldest, cruises right through life. Life gets frantic. We're busy. 100 miles an hour, 10,000 RPMs. And then one day, sort of out of nowhere, so we think, all of a sudden, we're confronted with a choice, a decision, that when you peel everything away, is really a question all about whether Yahweh, the one true living God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who breathed his life into you and me, the one who sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to show us how to live, and then die for our sin on the cross, be raised on the third day. The question really, when everything is stripped away, is all about whether or not Yahweh, God, is your God or not. All of a sudden, you run smack dab into a decision. It's really sort of a crossroads sort of moment. Everything might have been easy. Everything might have been going great. The heat probably wasn't turned up on you until that moment in time. And because of that, it's been real easy for us to go, of course God is God. Of course I'm his. Of course I'm a follower of Jesus. Of course I love him. Of course I believe in him. Of course I trust him. But then you come to that crossroads moment. This thing comes up and you're faced with a choice. Who and whose are you? 
Who and whose are you? And for us, it's just like it was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember the story from a couple of weeks ago. King Nebuchadnezzar told everyone in Babylon, you have to bow down, you have to worship the 90-foot gold statue I made. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew who and whose they were, just like we must know who and whose we are. Because it's coming. If it hasn't happened yet, it's coming. It might come tomorrow, it might come next week, it might come next month, but who and whose are you? And Moses says, look, you who call yourselves God's children, you who call yourselves God's people, you have to be ready to answer, and when you answer, here's your answer. Listen, O Israel, we could sub in, listen, O people of God, listen, we who call ourselves Christians, who's our God? The Lord is our God, not anyone else, not anything else, not 90-foot tall gold statues, the Lord is our God, Yahweh. And the Lord alone, no one else. No one else. We're his. He's God. He's the one who calls the shots. Everything we do, everything we are, runs through this grid of I belong to God. I'm his. He and he alone is my God. That's who and whose I am at my core. I don't just do what's easy. I don't just do what's popular. I don't just do what I feel like doing. Instead, I do the right thing. I make the right choice. I honor God. I please God because at my core, that's who I am. And Moses lays that out in crystal clarity for the people of Israel. We came to a moment in our family's life this week where we had a choice to make. Really, I had a choice to make. Maybe you had a similar circumstance in your life this week. I got a text from Dana about some things that went down with our kids. And instantly, I'm reading this text and Instantly, because I still have a sin nature inside of me. Some of you have maybe been purged of yours. I still have my sin nature inside of me. I read this text about these horrible things that happened with our kids, and I do this thing I call it, I power up, right? And when I power up, it is not a good thing. This isn't a good powering up. Sometimes powering up is good. This isn't good. I got real mad and I shut the text application. I switched to the phone application and I'm about to dial the phone and I'm about to jump in the middle of a very serious occurrence. And if I would have jumped into that very serious occurrence in the way that I was powered up to be powered up for at that moment, it would not have been at all connected to this reality that I'm God's. It would have not at all been connected to this reality that I'm seeking to please him, represent him, help to connect people to him, and so on. As a matter of fact, if I had dialed the phone in that moment, I would have, I assure you, been disconnecting people from God. You know what I mean. Dana helped me process this. Thankfully, she called me and she said, honey, what are you about to do right now? I said, well, I was about to make a call and it wasn't to you. And she helped me. 
just like she frequently helps me give audible words to things that the Holy Spirit was probably whispering into my heart that I was ignoring or missing or tuning out on or was far too fixated on my own agenda that I missed his. And she helped me stop in my tracks, shut the power down and go, oh yeah, oh yeah, I belong to God. I belong just like you belong to God. And because we belong to God, I'm responsible and I'm called and I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to function differently, right? That means we don't just power up and we don't just get angry as our first reaction. We don't just kneel down to the little g gods of this world. No, because I belong to God. Moses says it. We're his That means that we are defined by our belonging to him, by our family belonging to him. That means I'm different. It means we're different from most everything that is going on around us. Moses says it. We belong to God. That's fundamental to every single thing that we are, every single thing that we think, every single thing that we do. It is who and whose we are are. We're his. First big question for your frantic life. Who and whose are you? And then last week, the second big question for your frantic life was, what now, Lord? What now, Lord? And I hope you pressed into that question this week with the Lord. I know some of you did. I heard some reports back from many of you. You talked about how amazing it was, how when you led that, laid that question out before the Lord, how he showed up, how he spoke very, very clearly. I heard some of you talk about how very, very quickly God spoke to you, and that's what God does. That's who he is. All the time, I believe God has assignments for every single one of us. He's steering us, leading us, calling us, inviting us. The key, though, to receiving those assignments is not to be living life at such a frantic pace, not to be living life so far outside of really who and whose you are meant to be that you miss them. That's why we're talking about this. That's why we're engaging in all of this for the past three weeks. What now, Lord, any answers Moses does in the Shema Yisrael, Deuteronomy 6, we belong to him fundamentally. We belong to him, question number one. And then question number two, what now, Lord, really gets to this, how do we respond to him? Because of who and whose we are, how do we respond to him, which is really a what now, Lord, question, isn't it? And Moses answers it here. It's the answer to the second big question, Deuteronomy 6, 5. Here it is. You must must, strong word, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. You must. Why? Because you belong to God. Moses already spoke to that. You belong to God. You're his. It moves you to this place of asking this question, what now, Lord? How do we respond to him? Now get this. If God never, ever answers you in a way that you can hear audibly, then this Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 is our default position. If you pray that prayer, what now, Lord, and you don't hear anything, you just go here. 
automatically. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And that has a powerful calibrating effect to your whole life, doesn't it? Love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Now, very often, Jesus helps us with a New Testament passage of Scripture that directs how we understand an Old Testament passage. Jesus does it for us here, Matthew twenty-two thirty-four to 40. Some bad religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus, and so we pick up the story. When the Pharisees heard that he, that's Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. They're trying to paint him in a corner. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, see if these words sound familiar. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But he doesn't stop there. Look, he goes on. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Whoa. A second commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Which means that if we all say that we belong to God, if we say that we're his, if we say that we worship him only, if we say that we only give our lives to him, we don't bow down to little g gods of this world, then we're asking the question out of that place, what God now? And these texts of scripture are the underlying truth to anything that God answers in response to our asking, what now, God? If you want a summary of the essentials that God asks of us, there they are. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. And it's really two parts of one thing. It's kind of like breathing. There's the inhale, love God. The exhale, love people. Inhale, love God. Exhale, love people. Everything else grows up out of the soil of that. Our obedience to God's answer to the question, what now, Lord, flows up out of this heart of love for him. I love him so much, I just obey him. Like Jesus says, John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. I don't show Jesus that I love him by saying stuff. I don't show Jesus I love him by singing big worship anthems off screens. Oh God, I love you. I show him I love him. I prove my, talk is cheap. I prove my love to him by my obedience. How I live, what I do, what I'm about, what I'm not about. If we really belong to God, if we're really seeking him, if we're really asking the second big question for your frantic life, what now, Lord, We just obey him. He gives us marching orders and we go walk them out. One day, one day, one day at a time. We do what he asks us to do. That demonstrates to him everything that our love looks like. And then Moses says, in light of the answers to those first two questions, here's what you do. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six. You commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. You just commit yourselves wholeheartedly. Everything that God's doing in you, everything that he's speaking to you, the directives and the commands that he's giving to you, you just devote, you give yourselves all in, and you do it. You do it. 
Which brings us to the third big question for your frantic life. And it's this, how do you move forward from frantic? How do you move forward from frantic? And here's what you do. You start by passing on the essentials. Love God, love people. You pass on the essentials and you drive that truth about who and whose you are. You drive the truth of what now God, everything that he's asking you to do, and you drive those truths deeper and deeper and deeper into your heart, deep into the heart of your spouse if you have one of those, deep into the heart of your children if you have any of those. And you move forward from frantic by keeping the truth of these realities that you belong to God, that you're obeying him, that you're following him, that you're doing what he's asking you to do 24 hours a day. You keep it in front of you 24 hours a day seven days a week Moses puts it like this Deuteronomy 6 7 to 9 repeat them again and again get that and sometimes we don't do that right because we get bored with stuff and we don't like hearing the same thing over and over again Moses says look repeat them again and again all of this stuff God's activity God's invitation God's command repeat them again and again to your children repeat them again and again talk about them when you are at home when you're on the road when you're going to bed when you're getting up tie them to your hands wear them on your forehead as reminders whoa that's weird I'll tease that out for you in just a moment. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You move forward from frantic. You get about living out God's very best for your life by, get this, talking about the three big questions for your frantic life, the accompanying answers all of the time, every single place that you go, no matter what you're doing, you're driving everything God's asking you to do, everything he's asking you to be, everything you are, you're his. You're driving it as deep into your heart as possible so that it becomes the soil out of which everything else in your life grows up out of. And Moses does this beautiful thing. He gives us these really practical ways to keep God's truth through these three big questions front and center in our lives. He talks about our ears, first of all, doesn't he? He talks about our ears, first of all. Moses is saying, keep the sound, get this, the sound of God's word, the declarations of what he's doing, the truth about who and whose are you, what he's asking you to do next, what he's asking you to do now, keep it in your ears as often as possible. Converse about them regularly. Whether you're a single, whether you're a couple, whether you're a family, talk about talk about God's stuff at all times in every way. At home, when you're traveling, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, take every single teachable moment to declare God's truth to you and about you and what he has for you. There's this fundamental truth that's in operation the more and more, the longer we follow Jesus. It goes like this. The more real that God is in your life, the more regularly that he is a part of your dialogue and your conversation and your everyday activities, the more those teachable moments arise. The more you're conversing about God, thinking about God, the more frequently these teachable moments arise. Why? Because you're just so dialed into him. You're so dialed into him, it just becomes second nature. We need to have God's word consistently in our ears, but it also involves our eyes. Deuteronomy 6, 8 to 9. Look at this. Tie them to your hands. 
Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Orthodox Jews take this odd command in verse 8 very literally. You might have seen this. They take little scrolls, little tiny scrolls, paper scrolls with scripture written on them, and they put them in little boxes that they wear attached to their hands. These sort of hand straps with this little box. You might have seen a Jew wearing those before. That's a little box of scripture, probably from the book of Deuteronomy, right in there. They also tie them, just as the scripture says, on their foreheads. It isn't a headlamp that they're wearing. It's a little box of scripture, and they put them right here, and then they put the similar, it's a little bigger box on the door frames of their homes. So they keep God's word always in front of them. It's here. It's here. It's on the door frame of my house. So that when I leave and when I return, it's there. I'm greeted with God's word. Now you can do that, certainly. I want to see you all wearing headbands with scripture, hand straps, little boxes with the... You don't have to do that. But what if we take the words of Moses at the very least, and you take your answers to these three big questions for your frantic life, and you display these somehow in the place that you live in such a way that they're absolutely unavoidable. That's what Moses is driving at. Keep this in front of you, front and center, all the time in such a way that they compel you to talk about them, dwell on them, and go live them out. Go get some poster board, get some markers, get some stencils, and put your answer to the first big question for your frantic life. Who and whose are you? That little paragraph, that short paragraph that we talked about two weeks ago. Put that at the top of the poster board. And then under that, Put your answer to the second big question. What now, Lord? And remember we talked about from last weekend to Labor Day, what now, Lord? What's our assignment? What do you have for us from last weekend to Labor Day? And you put that on there. It might be starting a business. It might be discipling your children more intentionally. It might be sharing your faith with your neighbors very purposefully. Put that on there. And then you put under all of that the answer to the third big question, how do we move move forward from frantic, we talk about this as much as possible all the time. And you take that poster board and you put it up in a place that you can't miss it. It's God's work. It's what he's asking you to do. It's who he's asking you to be. And we want to be as dialed into his work, as dialed into his call on our lives as we possibly can be. Now, here's what I know. There is no way that we can eliminate all of the franticness from our lives. Life is always going to be marked by a certain amount of craziness. It just is. But I believe with all of me that we can absolutely achieve more sanity in our lives than many of us have right now. And guys, I believe that our franticness causes us to miss incredible spiritual opportunity incredible spiritual conversations, opportunities to display and declare the good news of Jesus Christ, opportunities to do whatever it takes to connect people to God, but we just blow right past us, and I say that's too high a price to pay. I believe if we'll give ourselves to these three big questions 
this three big questions process with some regularity. That means you're going to run this out all the way to Labor Day. And then you're going to get a new one. You're going to take your paragraph. That probably hasn't changed much. Who and whose are we? You're going to leave that one alone, but you're going to press into a new seeking moment with God. What now, God? And maybe you go between Labor Day and Christmas. What do you have for us, God? And you're going to run that one out. You're going to make a new poster board, and you're going to run that one out. And at Christmas, you're going to do it again, and you're going to go, okay, between Christmas and spring break, God, what is it that you have? What now, God, you see? And we're just going to live this out. And I believe if we give ourselves to this process with some regularity, I believe that God could use this to transform our frantic lives into a more peaceful, a more proactive, and a more purposeful life. And remember, this isn't just about having more disposable time so that you can play more Xbox, more words with friends, watch more TV, so on. No. This is about having margin in our lives, the margin that it takes to display and declare the good news of Jesus Christ to people all around us. This is about you and I, the church of Jesus Christ, contending for the eternal destiny of souls. This is about you and your spouse if you have one, you by yourself if you don't, you and your spouse and your kids if you have those. This is about all of us living on the mission of Christ, displaying, declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. This is about us doing whatever it takes to connect people to God. And I say, what would you rather give your life to? What would you rather give your life to? You take your stuff and set it aside, and I just invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads if you would, and just get still and quiet with him. And I'm going to ask you to stay in this posture of prayer, listening to the Lord. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're a person and you're here today or you're within the hearing of my voice today. And when you press in to these three big questions for your frantic life, when you take an honest inventory of your life, when you plumb the depths of your inner world you know that you don't yet belong to God when you're real honest you know that you don't yet belong to God yeah maybe someday previous you'd prayed a prayer and you asked Jesus to save you from eternity apart from him but when you honestly evaluate your life you go you know I'm not really his I'm not really living like I'm his. Maybe at honest evaluation time you say, you know, Jesus really hasn't redeemed me just based on the wake that I'm leaving behind my life. Or maybe you're someone who's here and you've been running from God You might have been hiding out from God. You might have been doing everything in your power to elude God. But maybe today in this time we've been together, God's been tugging on your heart. 
And maybe, just maybe, God's been whispering in your ear, whispering into your heart, you know, it's time to stop running. It's time to stop eluding. It's time to stop hiding out. And it's time to come home. This is your day to come home. This is your day of redemption and your day of salvation. This is your day to say, I'm yours, God, once and for all. And get about living, being the person that God made you to be. Not because of anything you did, but because of everything Jesus did for you on the cross. And I want you to know the invitation stands right here, right now. Jesus makes a free offer, free gift to you, but it means some things. It means that you're giving up your allegiance to your own stuff, your own self-improvement project, your own self-medication project, your own striving to be good enough for God project. It means you're putting that down. You choosing to become a son or daughter of God means that you're giving up whatever it is that rules your life presently. You're putting it all down. You're bending your knee to him. You're making Jesus your one and only king. Your allegiance is to him alone. And you're going to cross over from a place of being opposed to God to being on God's side. Jesus' offer of amnesty is a free gift. And if that is the desire of your heart today, you can take that step of faith. You can do that by praying along with me a prayer that goes like this. I invite you to it. God, I repent. I look back at the wake that I've been leaving behind my life and I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I don't need anything except a savior and his name is Jesus. God, I thank you from the depths of my heart for sending him, for sending him to forgive me, to save me, to give me new life today and forevermore. Here's my heart. Here's everything I am. Wash me, please, Jesus. Make me whole. Make me new. Today I say, God, I'm yours once and for all. I belong to you, and I love you, Jesus. Now, if you're choosing, if you chose just then to step into that relationship with Jesus Christ, that is the most important decision of your whole life. Nothing, and I mean nothing, matters more than that decision. And it's such a big deal around here, we invite people to tell us when they made that decision, and I'm going to ask you to do that with me right now. Now, nobody's looking around this room. It's just me, you, and God. If you prayed with me just then to yield your heart and life and soul to Jesus Christ, to make Jesus your Savior once and for all, would you be real bold and just lift your hands real high and lock eyes with me and just say, yes, yeah, there, yeah, absolutely, and here, absolutely, yes, and in the, yes, absolutely, yes. Just make, yeah, in the back, absolutely, yes, I see you. This is your day, your day of salvation, your day of redemption. This is your day. Jesus, I thank you with all of me for these who are stepping into relationship with you. What a gift, a gift that you gave so freely, yet that cost you so much. I pray that these who are crossing the line of faith today would be surrounded by us and also by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, root them in, please. Help them sense the newness of life that you assure 
And then Jesus, would you compel us, please? We don't just want to live life as frantic people. We don't want to be blowing by assignments and opportunities. We want to engage God with your stuff, with your call, with your work. Will you dial us in and will you use whatever it takes to dial us into you and your stuff? And then, Jesus, would you send us? We want to go live as your sent people on your mission, on purpose for you, doing whatever it takes to connect people with you. That's our heart, that's our cry, that's our desire, God, and we know that it's yours. Will you fuel that mission, please? We worship you with our everything. You are the best. You are our God, Yahweh, the one true living God. And everyone agreed and said,